Well, and by the way, it wasn't really called a gap year back then. It was called a you're ruining your life year. Diz Runs Radio episode 1066 starts in three, two, Welcome back to Diz Runs Radio, where I talk with runners from all corners of the running world about running, life, and everything in between. I'm your host, Denny Cray, and it's just about time to head out the door for an easy run and a great conversation. So if you're ready, then I'm ready. Let's get started. Hey, y'all, uh, real quick before we dive into today's episode of the show, if you're looking for uh, a little help with uh, getting the game plan in place, maybe training for that fall race, or maybe maybe you're struggling to get back on track and you, and you, you know, might want a little, uh, little help on that front, a little guidance, a little uh, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, kind of pat on the back, a little kick in the backside once in a while if that's what's required as well. If you're thinking about maybe taking the plunge and working with a coach, seeing if that might be something that would be helpful for you going forward. I know a guy. I am a guy. Uh, I know a lot of folks, actually, that are coaches, a lot, of, a lot of really great coaches out there. I like to think that I'm one of them. And uh, if, if you've been listening for a while, you kind of get a feel for how, who I am, how I work. If you think that we might be able to be compatible, we might be able to work together to help you move forward with your running goals, uh, check out the options that are available. Dizruns.com slash coaching is the link. We've got the coterie. We got the concierge. We got the one-to-one, which is right there in the middle between the two in terms of how many bells, how many whistles, what fits for the budget, all those types of things. All the details and information should be there. And if, if one of them sounds like it might be, be better for you than the others, there's also a link that'll take you to the specific page for each of the levels that are available. And you can really get uh, you know a, a little bit better picture, a little bit more of the details, although there is some details on the disruns.com slash coaching page, but then each of the levels has its own page fully explained, I think. Um, but of course, if you have any questions on any of the levels or how I work as a coach or, or what, what the process is, please let me know. Uh, I, I say this every time I talk about it, but I mean it sincerely. I'm not going to try to sell you. I'm not going to try to pitch you. I'm just going to answer your questions. I'm going to trust that uh, you know, you're an adult and that you're able to say, Yep, this is right for me, or eh, maybe not so much. In which case, cool. Keep listening to the show. Keep interacting in the Facebook group, but find the right coach that's right for you. And if I'm not the guy, no harm, no foul. But if you're interested in looking into the options that are available, disruns.com slash coaching once again is the first place to start. Then you can branch off from there. Any questions, let me know. And now, without any further ado, let's go ahead and dive in to today's episode of the show. Hey, y'all. Uh, today's guest has been an endurance athlete for most of his life. A, a couple of highlights that I picked up along the way, uh, and I, I'm sure we'll talk about in some depth today, is uh, that shortly after high school, I think be- you know, 18 years old, he pedaled his bike around the United States, which is, which is a pretty cool thing to do as a gap year type of situation. Uh, he's also twice competed in the, in the USATF 50-mile trail championship. So again, endurance athlete, getting after it. And uh, he's also the co-founder of a company that has the, uh, the potential, I think, to revolutionize the running shoe industry. And he's also the co-author of a book that could probably, that would probably change the way you uh, think about track workouts for the rest of your running career. So uh, needless to say, no shortage of things to talk about today. Uh, so let's just get the party started and, and kick this thing off by officially welcoming Mr. John Zilly to the show. So John, thanks for joining us. Really appreciate it. And uh, let's, let's get into it. Great. I can't wait. It's going to be fun. 
Fantastic. And, and yes, it, it is going to be fun. That's always the goal around here. And y'all, if you enjoyed today's conversation and kind of want to check out some more of, uh, you know, what John's got going on and, and maybe, you know, maybe get yourself a, a pair of shoes once they are officially released, uh, vamazi.com. I hope I'm saying that correctly. John, correct me. Is that? Yep. Nope. That's right. All right. V-I-M-A-Z-I, vamazi.com. On Instagram, the handle there is at Vamazi. On Twitter, at RunVamazi. And uh, if you want to connect with, with uh, John specifically, it's at TalkToZilly, Z-I-L-L-Y. You can also find John on LinkedIn, searching for his name. Pretty easy to find there. And uh, if your head's spinning and you're not sure which end is up, no worries. Head back to the show notes for today. As always, we'll have everything linked up today that we talk about. Links to the website, links to the social media, links to whatever else we talk about that makes sense to link to. Dizruns.com slash 1066. Dizruns.com slash 1066. So, John, the uh, way we always start off each episode of the show is with what is a, a relatively, a very straightforward question. I sometimes think it's relatively easy, but I also know that it can be difficult because there's a lot of good options out there. The question part is easy. The answer can be a little bit tricky, but either way, it's a great place to start the conversation. It usually launches off about a half a dozen tangents and follow-up questions, and, and we just kind of take it from there. But that's just to simply ask, what is your favorite distance to race and why? Well, that, God, that's just such a great question because I've, you know, raced them all from, you know, short races in high school and college to, uh, you know, the, like you said, the ultras that I, trail runs that I ran. Um, probably, uh, you know, physiologically, <clears throat> the longer, the better for me. I mean, it, it, if, if it's going to be all out uh, performance, it's probably going to be, you know, like some kind of ultra, like a 50, but Th those are so kind of painful and, um, <laughs> and they're really hard to, uh, I mean, it's, um, a really big commitment to train for them. And so, I don't know, I kind of think that maybe a half marathon is the thing is my favorite because it's, you know, you can go out and do that sort of any time, but you're not, um, it's, it's, it's not the, commitment or pounding of a marathon or ultra or uh, something like that. So I don't know. I think that maybe my favorite is half marathon, even though um, my, might be better, best suited for, you know, the longer distances. But of course, the longer distances mean, um, uh, you know, injury potential and, you know, all of that too. So, yeah. Like I said, it's it's an easy question. It's a straightforward question, but the answers oftentimes are, are, are layered. And and frankly, though, and I feel like I've said this a few times, but it bears repeating. Like that's one of the beauties of our of the sport of running is that there are so many different options, and there can be times in life when you know doing the longer distance stuff, doing the ultras, doing the marathons, maybe makes sense. And there could be times when you know keeping it short and sweet is what's better for you right now, better for life, better for the commitment of training. And they're not mutually exclusive. You can always go back and forth. You can have a period where you're doing ultras. You can have a period where you're doing shorter stuff. And, uh, you know, as life spins and as, as the, the world turns, you can, you can always go back to whichever, whichever distance floats your boat at the time. Well, and, you know, so much of it is about the, the day and who you're running with and who you're running against. And, um, and all of that makes, uh, can, can make such a huge difference. You can have your favorite, you know, distance, but if the, if it, the weather is wrong or you're, you're not running with your crew or whatever, it's, it, can, it can be kind of so-so or a drag, or maybe you just have a bad day. I mean, um, you know, I ran track and cross country in college, D3, and um, 
running those cross country races was just fantastic. We ran 8,000 meters, which is a, just about exactly five miles. And, and that, you know, I loved those races. Those were fantastic. But like I said, they're probably a little bit longer is better for me. Right. right. Well, and, and I'm right there with you. I, you know, it's, it's, you know, you're talking to runners and especially distance runners when they're talking about half marathons, marathons, and, and even ultra distance stuff is like, less painful, less uncomfortable than like a good hard 5k, where it's just like, you can set it and forget it at those longer distances. And yes, if you're racing hard, like there's going to be periods of uncomfortable, probably much longer than the periods of the uncomfort for a 5k, but it's not quite as intense. So you can just cruise and get through it as opposed to just hammering it from, from the drop and trying to hold on for 3.1 miles. Right. I mean, a 5k or a 10k, those feel like just out and out sprints Mm -hmm. to me if I'm trying, you know, trying to uh, run them all out. Um, you know, the interesting thing is, <clears throat> excuse me, the, even the, um, uh, the, the ultras that I ran, especially if you run, um, a trail run and the ones the the one that I did uh, twice, it has a whole bunch of elevation gain and, and loss and it's on a trail that is actually felt the way I would describe it is more like a, um, fast hike rather than a, um, a, a race like a marathon, I mean, the the difference between a marathon and and a, that ultra fifty mile trail run is 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 it's like they're two different sports because you know in a marathon, <clears throat> it's all about the even pacing the whole way and try and just you know being a metronome from start to finish is the goal. Or um, whereas in you know in a trail run, sometimes you're running. Sometimes you're walking up a really steep hill. Sometimes you're running seven minutes per mile. Sometimes you're in the, you know, around 10, kind of shuffly. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's, uh, the, it's, it's almost like a different sport. It's almost like not fair to, you know, say, oh, this is a run in the same way that you say a half marathon, marathon, 10K or, run, or, or runs. Yeah. My, my first exposure to at least in-person exposure to a, an ultra endurance event was, it was one of those races that I think it was like a half marathon, marathon, a 50 K 50 mile kind of thing, all, all setting off at the same time. And I was running the marathon. And so like, and it was like my third or fourth marathon. So I was still pretty new to distance running. I'd only been running probably for a couple of years at that point. And it's like, you set off and, and it's like, why are people walking? Like we've just started, we're, we're a mile in. Why is anybody walking right now? Like we shouldn't be walking <laughs> at this point. And then, of course, as, as I've learned over the years, like, you know, if you're going to be out there for 10 hours, 12 hours, depending on your pace and depending on what your goals are, like, yeah, you don't you don't start getting after it right away. You ease in. And like like you said, sometimes there's a hill. And so, like, yeah, you're not going to try to run up this mountain like you hike it like that's that's just part of what has to be done. And so, you know, I think I think especially us roadrunners before we've experienced it kind of think of a trail race is, is a race. It's a hamper. Let's run, let's go hard. And like, yes, it is, but it's also not. And I think, like you said, sometimes it's, it's such a different sport that you don't realize it until you've experienced it. And like, Oh yeah, this is a completely, it's, we're still running. We're still ambulatory, but it's other than that, there's not a whole lot of uh, exact similarities between the yeah, two. Yeah. It's, I mean, on those, on those ultras, it's just about listening to your heart rate and your, and your breathing. And you just cannot get that, uh, up too high or you're just going to crater at some point during the race. Yeah. 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 And it's, it's one thing 
uh, again, every, everybody who I think most people who have climbed the ladder of, of distances have experienced this at one point or another. But like, you know, you think about a marathon, you get to mile 20. Maybe that's where you're kind of feeling like you're starting to hit the wall a little bit. But it's like you can grind it out just 10, 10K to go. Well, if you're running a 50 miler, you get to mile 20 and you're starting to, to fade, you're in trouble because you still got <laughs> <laughs> one and a half times farther to go than what you've already done. And that's going to be uh, a long ride on the struggle bus if you're if you're getting after it too hot from the, the beginning of a race like that. Yeah, that is so true. So true. Yeah. So, uh, John, you mentioned that, you know, you ran track and cross country in college. You ran in high school. I mean, is, is, is running and, and endurance really been, I mean, a lifelong thing for you? Or how did you get started into the sport uh, in your younger days? Well, I guess I started in um, eighth grade when there was the, you know, got on the track team and uh, the longest distance they had was a half a mile, which was uh, not, you know, not really suited for me. But I, I went out and ran the half mile and tried the high jump and different stuff like that, you know, it was middle school. And um, but at the end of the season, we had a mile race just for fun on the team or whatever. And, um, that, and that just felt like such a more, com- more comfortable pace than a half, than a, than a half mile. And so I, um, signed up for, I enjoyed it and signed up for cross country and I was just hooked from, you know, freshman year in high school. It was just, uh, the camaraderie on the team was great. And, um, the, the, I was, you know, like the competitiveness of the races and obviously, you know, being fit is a really nice feeling. And so, and, um, it kind of gave me, you know, there's some purpose that it gives you and, and, and organization to the rest of your life. And so, um, I, you know, ran all the way through high school and then, um, uh, would, you know, was good enough to run uh, D3 um, track and cross country that was, you know, never the best on the team, but was, oh, oh, could always make the team. And that was, and so that was fun. And, um, yeah, it was, it was a, it was a huge part of my, you know, college experience for sure. And then I've just kept, uh, that was just, uh, kept running. And as, as you mentioned in the intro, I've, I've uh, done a lot of cycling as well. Um, and, uh, so a lot of running and cycling and, um, just trying to stay fit uh, over the years. In, in, in those, you know, high school days, was cycling a, a big part of things as well? And, and I, I guess I kind of lead into that question with the idea that if, if after high school, you're going to ride around the, the U S like there had to have been a decent amount of base of, of cycling there, but is, is, have they have, have cycling and running kind of always been intertwined for you or kind of where, where did that connection come to come about? Well, it's interesting. No, you know, uh, no, I started off, uh, on my trip around the, uh, bike trip around the country, uh, with very little cycling experience, you know, to be honest, the, um, the, <clears throat> well, and by the way, it wasn't really called a gap year back then. It was called a, you're ruining <laughs> your life year. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> but, um, the, uh, a buddy of mine, I was talking to, you know, we were thinking about going to college and we were talking about it the spring of senior year in high school. And I was just saying, oh, God, it just it feels like former years of the exact same thing. I'm not sure if I'm ready for that, you know, grind. And he said, well, why don't we just bike around the country? And I thought, wow, well, OK, I had, you know, I had a bike, but I didn't ever go on bikes, bike rides. Really, I was a runner. And so. Uh, I came back after the weekend 
And I said, hey, I think we should do that. And he said, oh, no, John, that was just a joke. I didn't mean it. I didn't mean that. But um, over the next few weeks, I convinced him that we should, you know, take that idea seriously. And so, uh, of course, that meant doing some a little bit of training uh, and and working to earn the money to take this trip. But um, I did less training for that than you would think. We, we just, uh, it's because it's not like a cycle race. You're just, we're just touring. We're doing 20 to 80 miles a day loaded down with all our gear and, uh, camping along the way. And so we, uh, some days we did longer than eighties, 80, but not that much. And, and so I sort of got into shape over the course of the nine months that, uh, we were out there. I mean, what what a great! I'm sure it had to be just a, 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 I mean, one of those things that maybe you kind of stumbled into it a little bit, but like, what a what a just something that I'm sure you remember forever. What was what was kind of the route? I mean, like like was it was it? Well, I mean, I, I'm never going to try to guess what yeah. the route might have been. What so, was what was the path? Right. So, um, well, first of all, I, I I think you're right. We I I we sort of did stumble into it, but I think it kind of gave me this idea that hey, I if I could think of something or dream something up, I could do it. It, It's, um, it it was just, it was sort of one of those things. So it's kind of a touchstone that I can go back to. Wow. I, I, I did that. And, um, and it was amazing. It's just such an amazing experience in so many ways. And, um, but the route was, so I'm, um, uh, born, uh, not born, but raised in Seattle, uh, and, um, went to high school here and, um, so we were, I worked the summer after high school and we started our trip at the beginning of October and we, uh, went South down the, um, Pacific coast, the, which is the most beautiful, I think in the, in the country, most beautiful kind of, um, uh, bike tour. It's, you know, right along the coast on highway 101 and highway one in California. It's, um, just spectacular and, we sort of followed the good weather south as we went and um, we uh, got to San Diego around um, Thanksgiving and then we took a left and we rode across the southern part of the United States, went <clears throat> all the way to Florida. Um, mostly okay weather. We hit, we hit some, we, <laughs> I have this really great picture of we went, when we went, got to, um, uh, El Paso, it, uh, there was a freak snowstorm six inches. And, um, so we, uh, this is a great story and it's got a running connection to it. The, um, we thought, Oh God, well, what are we going to do? Well, we, we'd had been visiting some of our friends at colleges along the way. And so we didn't know anyone in El Paso, but we went to the university, university of Texas, El Paso. We just walked into one of the dorms and sat down uh, hoping to meet somebody. Well, what happened is that the, um, some guy came over to us and he was, um, super skinny, um, uh, guy from Africa. And he had this necklace, uh, hanging around his neck with a number one on it. And, um, we, and he, and he befriended us and he started talking to us and, um, he took us to dinner at the, at the, uh, dorm. And, um, 
he and turns out he he, he was um, named Suleiman Nambui, who back in the 80s for a short time had the world record in indoor 5,000 meters. He he won like 12, 13, you know, NCAA titles. I mean, he was he he was legit with the you know number one hanging around his neck. <laughs> and uh, we hung out there for two or three days um, uh, and um, while uh, the snow melted and we got to know him and it was, it, what a fantastic running experience. So anyway, we went all the way to Florida, down to um, Miami, had some relatives in Fort, my, my grandmother lived in Fort Myers. We stayed with her. <laughs> and then we, Headed up the East Coast, um, uh, through all the way up to Maine, and then we um, uh, turned left again and headed uh, back to um, uh, back to Seattle. And so, uh, yeah, it was a fantastic trip. Uh, we camped uh, the entire way, other than when we were visiting friends and uh, family. And um, yeah, it was it was amazing. Wow, I mean, what a what a again, like I'm jealous, but I don't know that I would have had the nerve to do it, but like, you know, you, you figure it out. You, you, you have these, you know, you, you meet an NCAA champion because of the snowstorm or you stay in with family. Like, I mean, why not? Why not? If the opportunity presents, might as well take advantage of it. Oh yeah, for sure. And you know, a lot of people, a lot of the adults in our world at the time were, Oh, completely freaked out. Oh, so all these, you know, bad stuff is going to happen to you. And, um, nothing ever bad ha happened to us. I mean, maybe one time, uh, somebody in a car threw a, uh, McDonald's drink at us. Um, and, um, we got chased away from a couple of camping spots by police a couple of times, <laughs> but, Th that was it, you know. The, we it was it really was affirming about um, humanity uh, because we were we camped in a lot of places where you as as an adult you might think oh this is kind of, looks kind of sketch, but um, it it uh, it worked out. Now it's of course there were two of us, right. eighteen nineteen year old um, boys, and so that that's. Um, but you know, we we never had any problem. Never got anything stolen or anything. So it was, yeah, it was it was great in that way as well. Wow, yeah, that's that's awesome. And and uh, I mean, what a what a like you said, building fitness as you go, kind of getting getting into it. And then, um, I mean, obviously we're 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 here to mostly talk about running, but this whole cycling thing has got me kind of uh, you know intrigued a little bit as well. Then it, I, I feel like at that point, I mean, from that point maybe, or maybe that was at least a launching off point where a lot more cycling into your, into your life as well, balancing with the running. Is that somewhat accurate? Yeah, that's right. I mean, well, <clears throat> I went to, then I went to college and, and it was, I uh, traded, uh, I still rode my bike, but uh, did a lot of running of course over the next four or five years. Um, but I quickly got back into cycling because I, um, was in, um, I was living in, uh, Sun Valley, Idaho for a time and mountain biking was starting to boom. And uh, so, and there was no guidebook for that area. And so I thought, well, I'm, uh, I can write a little bit and, um, and I like riding bikes. And so I took my road touring bike, you know, the bike, the same bike that I rode around the country in, 
because I didn't know any better. I took that out on all these trails around um, uh, Sun Valley, Ketchum, Stanley area in Idaho, and um, wrote a little book for uh, the trails, uh, mountain biking out there. And um, people liked it, so I wrote another one. And then I moved back to Seattle. I wrote another one. I ended up writing 11 uh, recreational guidebooks for um, mostly for mountain biking in you know Washington, Oregon, Idaho, uh, a little bit of California. Wow, wow, love it. See, see a need, fill a need. You know, take care of it and be able to scratch <laughs> an itch for yourself at the same time of being able to explore, be on the bike. Um, you know, not kind of two birds, one stone type of situation. Absolutely. Yep, that's right. And, and I kind of led into that question with a little bit of an ulterior motive, and I apologize for that. But I think it, right. I think it, it, it is all right with where we're trying to go here. And, and again, talking to to runners, and, and I'm I'm one of I'm one of us. I would rather run than than do most other forms of exercise. Yet I understand the value of giving your body a break from the same wear and tear all the time, doing strength training, working different different you know parts of the body in different ways, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you know, over the the, the years that you've been you know ping-ponging a little bit between lots of running, lots of cycling, a little bit of both, or maybe a, a fair amount of both. I know this is a very broad question that, that we're hopefully not going to take a full hour to digest, but if that's what it takes, then that's what it takes. How have you, you seen for yourself, or have you seen for yourself, the way that, that cycling and, and as much time on the bike, whether it's on the road, whether it's on the mountains, whether it's a little bit of both, benefited you as a runner? Because again, trying to maybe get myself and maybe a few others to, to take some of this cross training stuff a little bit more seriously and be a little more consistent of it. And if we can maybe benefit our running performance by doing some other things, maybe that's what it'll take to get us going. Have you, have you seen a, a, a payoff for your running over the years with the time in the, in the, in the bike saddle as well? I don't know if that's, uh, Oh, <laughs> I'm not sure. I think, um, I mean, right. Uh, that's if, I think if you want to maximize your personal performance in running, then you should mostly do running. Mm -hmm. And uh, the reasons to do uh, add cycling would be, I think, to help prevent injury from overuse. Mm -hmm. You know, you can go do a three-hour uh, bike ride and that and that can give you a lot of um, you know cardio for uh, an endurance race that you might do without the pounding that it takes. But you still have to do that uh, pounding at some point. <laughs> and so and there are a lot of times when you know the muscles that you use for cycling and running are different enough that you get. I don't know if you've ever tried a triathlon, but when I did a few triathlons and. You finish that bike leg and the last your, your body is like, what the heck are you trying to do when you, <laughs> you start running? And so I think there for sure you can get in a better overall fitness shape if you mix it up. Um, and 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 I think that has to include other kinds of, you know, core yoga kind of fitness stuff. But um the because cycling and you're cycling and running you're working your legs mostly you, you know you you can see there's a lot of you know there's a lot of people with a big gut who ride their bikes i got to tell you that <laughs> so so i don't know if that was um 
the satisfying answer to the question. No, like I think I think it I think it was in in maybe a different way than than I was anticipating it going, which is which is fine. That's why you asked the question because because you, you you get maybe a different perspective. Like I think you're 100 right. If if running is the priority and your running goals are what you're working towards, like. Like there is a, a certain amount of specificity, easy for me to say, of, of training that's required. Um, but but of course the the trick is to find that line of where too much now becomes too much, and you're redu- or increasing your risk of injury. You're you're not recovering as well. And then you know any runner that's ever been injured knows that that's the surest way to erode your your running progress and your and your you know make a detour on, on the way to your goals. So it's, it's about finding some balance and, 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 you know, and that can come in a bunch of ways. It could be cycling. It could be swimming. It could be a whole host of things that maybe aren't specifically going to help you as, as make progress towards your running goals, but are still, still going to improve your health. And ultimately like good health is a good thing for whatever goals you might have. I, at least I, I feel like. For sure. I I mean, I think that, um, uh, feeling fit is, uh, uh, just is you can think about oh the long term health goals I'm going to live longer and be healthier in my 60s or 70s or 80s or whatever if you um, are work out throughout the decades that's kind of a long term you know kind of goal but just feeling the the feeling of fitness on a day to day basis when you get out of the bed in the morning and, and all day long, when you're fit, it just feels so much better. And, um, uh, so that's, and, and, and that's the, that's the reason to do it. I mean, oh, for, for sure. sure, for sure. Yeah. Totally agree. Um, so 50 mile, uh, trail championships done that, done that a couple of times. What's, what's it like to compete in a race like that? And, and I, I asked that from the perspective of I've done a couple of, of ultras, haven't quite gotten to 50 miles yet, but I did do a 45 miler. So I think, I think in the ultra world, like that's still kind of, cause it's still kind of ish. Like, eh, you know, whatever it's, it's about the same distance. Although I, I'll, I'll maintain that until I get to actually 50 miles, like then I'll say I've done a 50 miler, but whatever details. Yeah. Um, but it wasn't like, I wasn't competing. I was, I mean, I was competing with myself, but I wasn't racing. I was out there to, to enjoy some time on the trail. Um, there was a dog at one of the aid stations in every loop. I think I gave away four or five minutes playing with the dog every time through because why not? Um, but, but when you're in a race like that, where it's a race, what, like, like, how does that differ for you versus just, a uh, you know, a, another ultra or another 50 miler where like, yeah, you might be pushing yourself, but also like, this isn't a, tra- a championship level race. So, you know, I'll, I'll take my time a little bit more. Well, I mean, it was for sure intimidating. I, I went to the pick up my packet the day before and all these skinny, grizzled guys that looked like they spent 10 hours a day running in the in the woods. I just thought, oh, God, I am out of my depth here. But um, <clears throat> it was it, it just it, it was called the national championships and it, and it well, and it was, but it was more casual than you might think. And, um, there were people that, uh, were, um, there were, um, you know, people that were a lot farther behind me. Uh, and, um, uh, it was, uh, I, it, so it didn't, there, there was some urgency to finish and, and, and urgency to go, a little bit faster than I was used to in training and all of that, but um, it wasn't. Um, uh, I don't. Know, it wasn't. It wasn't the same as other races that I've been in, which 
uh, are w- where I have a expectation of myself mm. to to do a certain thing, and I'm or teammates that I'm you know who are depending on me in some form or fashion. So uh, it was it was more about having fun, being out in a beautiful place. Yeah. When uh, when the gun goes off at that event. I mean, are, are some of those, those studs just, are they just gone? Are you, are you just kind of like, I, I feel like I would be just like, like, I know I'm not keeping up. Like, I know I'm not, I can't go out there and just throw down a, a seven or eight minute mile or, or even probably a 10 minute mile for, for 50 straight miles. And they're just, I mean, were they just gone like in just in a whole another league? Yeah, they were. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the good thing about a, a, a trail run is that after half a mile you're with your crew and the those those folks who are just going to crush the race they're they're off the uh, way out in front and out of sight out of mind you're you're just paying attention to your own thing it of course it is easy to get pulled along faster than you should in the first couple of miles so um I, it, you really got to put on the reins. <laughs> mm-hmm. At least I did. Yeah. Well, and, and, and again, you know, kind of like we talked about earlier, if you feel like you're hitting the wall at mile 20 of a 50 miler, uh, you, you're going to be in, in trouble. If you're, if you're, if you're going too hot at mile three, you may not be feeling like you're hitting the wall yet, but you're, you're, uh, withdrawing your, uh, your, your, your tokens quicker than you're putting them in there. And, and you, that, that's right. If, if you don't get a hold of that pretty quickly, you're going to, again, have a, have a rough last 30, 35 miles uh, of, yeah. of a race like that. For sure. I mean, you know, it's interesting that the, the um, uh, I ran some marathons uh, back in uh, high school and college and the, the whole fueling thing that's going on now with, with gels and, and, and different things that you can take during the, during especially a marathon has really changed the game because it used to be that, you hit the wall because you were completely out of calories because there was, well, I never ate anything in those, in those races. We, uh, I would drink some, a little bit, but not, but not even that much. And, um, and now every, every 35, 45 minutes, you down a gel and, or, or something like that. And that, that just keeps you going in a, in a way that it didn't, didn't used to be. That's a, that's a huge difference that between, um, and, uh, and, and even uh, a difference for me than when I did the, uh, those, those 50 mile races. Yeah. You know, that's a, that's an interesting point in, in something that, you know, those of us that have only only been running for the last 10, 12 years, which is how long I've kind of been, been, I ran my first marathon in, in 2010. Um, you know, like it maybe wasn't quite the same as it is now, but there were gels, there were things available. Like, you know, you had, you had fueling options and, and, um, I, I almost wonder if, if, and I don't know if this is a question or if it's a statement or if you have anything, if it goes like a lead balloon, it goes like a lead balloon. We'll move on. But if, if, you know, if that almost changes the calculus of how you, how you, race because you you like because like you said there is no there, there aren't these ready-made fuel pockets you're not you're not you know taking a, a gel every half an hour or whatever whatever your fueling situation is um so it's a lot more you know calculated and when you get to those later stages of a race versus now where it's like you might feel like you're hitting the wall and and, and i mean you, you are there's a level of fatigue that sets in and, and and all that good stuff but at least you know that like 
there's there's more like you can take more calories in you can have stuff with you and and i don't know like i said i don't know if there's a question there if it's just like just the way that, that the sport has evolved and, and it is what it is at, at this point well you know it's it's super interesting and um the, this uh, whole debate about super shoes that's been going on for the last um four or five years or whatever and are those because lots of runners are breaking records it seems like especially in the longer distance record uh, records faster than they did in the past <clears throat> well i think one of the huge things especially in the half marathon marathon distances is the fueling mm -hmm. because back then in back in the day they didn't eat anything and they were just relied on being able to hold that pace through, uh, even though they're completely depleted of, of any kind of uh, any calories. Well, now they've you, you watch the elites go th in the Olympics or big marathons. They're all grabbing their bottle that's filled with not just water. It's got, uh, you know, whatever their specific mix of carbohydrates uh, is. And um, <clears throat> that that's a huge difference and what that what you can do is you can really push the the pace in a way that you couldn't before because you just you had to be more i think more careful and so i think that the fueling aspect to these um uh, is is the maybe the most important fueling and then some some training improvements uh that, that have been made in the last 10 years i think those are really what's made the marathoners so many fast marathoners and and breaking of records and all that yeah that's that's a, a good point in in um you know again like like you said they've all got the the elites they all have their specific bottles it's not like us peons that we just go through the aid station it's just one cup of of whatever aid that is available at that at that race and like everybody gets the same concentration and the same you know ounce and a half or whatever it is like like they've got their bottle and and you know they might have four ounces super concentrated they might have six ounces a little bit more water like whatever works for them is what they've got and so so yeah like like how that how that piece of the puzzle impacts the, the the race performance is probably a little bit overlooked when when we're debating on what's what's legal and what's what and who's doing this and that and the other and like like yeah that's 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 a really important piece of the puzzle that that again at this point we kind of take for granted but at that level is is a, a real i mean at any level it's a game changer when you're not worried about running out of out of fuel as you go or at least not as worried about running out of fuel as you might you used to be right no i think that that's right I've, and and you know and in addition, over the last 10 years, there have been a bunch of studies that should talk about um, that sort of prove how important sleep is mm -hmm. in your uh, to performance. And, I've, you know, that's a thing, uh, you know, runners back in the 70s, 80s, 90s, they probably knew that some of that intuitively, but not not as um, uh, not as much as they definitely know now. Right. And, um, so I, I think that that's another, uh, big factor. Well, yeah. And, and again, you know, like I start on peeling the onion or peeling the onion or whatever, taking the layers off the onion. And like, I, I mean, I don't, I'm not the, the historian, but I feel like I've, I've read stories of, you know, your Bill Rogers is your, your guys back in the sixties and seventies, like they were still working full-time jobs. So like they were working <laughs> uh, plus getting up right. to train. So like, like, of course they're not going to 
get like they might know that sleep's important, but when running isn't your full-time gig like it is for the elites now where they can sleep for 10 hours a night and they can take a nap every day and they can do some of those things to, to make sure that the sleep piece of the puzzle is also being very well taken care of. Like there's another reason why some of the progress we're seeing now might be a little bit faster than it was back then. Just the, the amount of hours in the day is still the same, but how they can allocate them are a little bit different. Yeah, no, I think that that's absolutely right. So, yeah. um, as, as, as we were getting to this point anyway, but it was a nice little segue kind of talking about some shoes and different training factors and things like that. Let's, let's talk about Vamazi a little bit. Um, so some pace zone shoes that, that y'all have started to, to put together. And, and, um, I guess, I guess maybe just the, the we'll start broad and, and narrow down as we go, but where did this idea come from? Where did, where did you and your, your business partner come together with this idea of like, let's, let's maybe turn the, uh, the running shoe industry upside down a little bit. Well, right. So my uh, business partner, uh, his name's Scott Tucker. He was a uh, president at Montrail, which is uh, they sort of pioneered trail running shoes, running running shoes uh, in the '90s. And um, he, after he was done at Montrail, he worked for a time at uh, Columbia Sportswear, then at Scott Sports, and then um, at Pearl Izumi. In each case, overseeing their run division. And um, so he's been in running footwear for a long time. Plus, he's nationally ranked Masters Marathoner. He, uh, so he knows, he knows what he's doing. And um, he was just thinking about, well, it sort of had to do with the Nike Breaking 2 initiative of four years ago. They were trying to get Eli Kipchoge to see if he could break um, two hours in the marathon with, like we were talking about, fueling, sleep, like the perfect conditions uh, uh, of the track, et cetera, plus shoes. And so Scott was thinking, well, what would I do if I wanted to make some shoes that help people run faster? And the one morning when he was doing an interval workout, and uh, he's my co-author in that that book, by the way, (laughs) uh, he, he had this kind of brainstorm. Hey, if I if we tune the shoes for the pace of the runner, um, we can make them more efficient and they can respond to the forces of that pace. And so he did a study and it turned out that that was true, that the forces vary enough between four, five, six minutes per mile and eight, 10, 12, 13 minutes per mile. The forces vary so much that one foam can't respond correctly and efficiently to that whole range. So if you narrow it down, so take a pace zone of maybe two minutes, develop a shoe just for that, you can make it make it more efficient and um, hopefully over distance, if somebody chooses to, they could run a, a little bit faster. The, the other thing we can do by tuning them, we tune the heel a little bit differently and that allows you us to really dial in the cushioning for each specific runner. So anyway, that's a little bit about how it works, but also how, how it started out. And the reason I got into it is that Scott and I went to high school together, ran uh, track and cross country together and uh, kept in touch uh, over the years. And I was busy writing guidebooks and, and all that and got into uh, advertising and communications. And so when he wanted to start this running, he, he decided, well, he, 
he should start this business making paste tuned shoes. He gave me a call to uh, connect, and um, we um, and we've been work- so we've been working on it for about three years now. And the and the rest, as they say, is is history, I guess. Well, the history is history still is still being written. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Um, because we um yeah because well because the the shoes aren't out yet. They uh, hopefully are going to come out this um you know we launched at a bad time because of the pandemic and had and all the supply chain uh, issues. But um, we're ho- hoping that they um, uh, are out end of the summer, beginning of the fall. So that's going to be really exciting. Fantastic. Yeah, it's, it's one of those that, that it's easy for it to feel like it's still a ways off, but like, you know, it's it's right around the corner and, and, and hopefully they'll be hitting the market soon. Um, I Like, I feel like, like I've got a little, this little bit of entrepreneurship in me uh, you know, doing this and, and, you know, some of the things that I've had going on, but I feel like something like, tackling the manufacturing of shoes is like that's light years beyond anything I've done. Like I've taken advantage of the internet and kind of bootstrapping and, and being able to do some of those things. Um, I feel like this, this endeavor is, is gotta be a whole lot, lot bigger. What's, what's been, um, and at least at this point, um, what's been the, the hardest thing for you guys to, to work through? Has it been the pandemic? Has it been something, something else related? Like, like what's been the biggest hurdle that, that y'all have overcome so far? Well, it's I think it's the pandemic for sure. Yeah. The 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 thing that Scott benefited from uh, working at Montreal and Pearl Izumi and Scott Sports w- w- was that he was um, though they, they were small challenger brands. And so even as an executive, he had to do everything. Oh. Sometimes he's get, he's at uh, at the run specialty stores showing selling the shoes sometimes he's in china working with the manufacturing partners trying to figure out the logistics sometimes he's working with the designers designing shoes so he knows all of that um, backwards and forwards and um so the and we're having our shoes manufactured in in china that's where the best technology is that's where the lowest minimum order quantities um, come from that they they're the most up-to-date on all of the you know uh, new newest options and technologies so <clears throat> but we haven't been able to go there for three years and that's a big problem because when you go there you go for two three weeks every day you can make a hundred 150 decisions about little tiny things here and there. And, um, and then you come back the next day and you make, and you see new things and you make uh, 150 more decisions. And so you can get a lot done really fast. And now it's, there's a time difference over email, they FedEx samples of fabrics and, and foams and all of that. And, um, it's, uh, just a lot slower process. So, but we have we we worked with um, uh, engineering friend who uh, hooked us up with this uh, device that tests densities, uh, dynamic densities in foams. And one of the <clears throat> our shoes are made with the same stuff as everybody else uses essentially. But one of the the thing we've really innovated on is the. Uh, precise densities of the foams that we end up using because each 
each model needs a different density, a, a different kind of combination of densities in the heel and then also in the forefoot. And those need to be within very narrow specifications. And so we've got a um, uh, device over there that measures that and sen they send us reports so we can ensure that everything is uh, made to spec. That's different than the current, the, the current world of running shoes is that the, your midsole um, supplier says, well, how about this? And then they use the thumb test and they, mm. you know, <laughs> see, oh, well, that sounds about, that feels about right. Or no, maybe a little harder, a little softer or whatever. And it's really loosey goosey. And, um, and then they, <clears throat> then, and then they just make them. And so for us, we've made sure that they're um, uh, manufactured to these really tight specifications. Plus we've um, had to figure out a way to have a, the forefoot be tuned in a different way mm -hmm. than the heel. Yeah. Lots of, lots of technology going on here, which is, which is exciting. Cause I'm, I'm very much of a non one size fits all kind of guy. And it's nice to see that these are not one size fits all necessarily. Like we've got some different, you know, different paces, different things like that, that will help you find the shoe that will hopefully give you the biggest bang for your buck in terms of efficiency and things like that. How many, how many different zones or different, different, pace groups, I guess, or pace zones are, are there in, in the, in the line that's coming? We we're launching with six. So the, the, the one for the very fastest runners is four minutes, 30 seconds per mile to five thirty a mile. And then the, the sixth one is, um, uh, 10 minutes per mile to 1230 per mile. And then we have ones all in between and they all overlap a little bit. And then we're in development now. So that's the first six that come out. And um, uh, we're in development of um, uh, one that comes after the, the Z70, which is the Z80. And that would be uh, tuned for 12 to 15 minutes per mile. Um, and, the, and then we've got, we also have a couple of uh, trail running shoes that we're uh, commercializing right now. And uh, also a walking shoe that's tuned for... Uh, eight, 18 to 28 minutes per mile. The, the, and you can, you've, as, as you've listened to, listened to me talk, the, the very fastest shoe or the shoe for the very fastest runners is the, the zone is only a minute wide. Whereas the zone for our Z80, uh, is three minutes wide. And that's because the, as you get slower, the force, the, the forces change more slowly. Right. Right. Yeah. It, it makes sense yeah. when you stop and think about it. And, and it's just like, like, you know, just like you said, the amount of force that's going in, um, is, is going to be different. And, and again, not one size fits all. We're going to adjust that. We're going to tweak it. We're going to make it fit for you a little bit, a little bit better than, um, than one of the other models would. That's maybe two mile, two minutes per mile faster than you. Well, that's not good. You're not going to get you know, it's that you don't need the same thing at that point. So we, we're going to adjust it and tweak it. And, and, uh, wow, it's, it's exciting. I, I'm, I'm excited to see, uh, you know, hopefully soon, uh, you know, in, in the next, in the, as, as this comes out in, in July, you know, we got, um, record it in June, but you know, a couple months, hopefully, uh, and, and, and they'll be starting to hit the shelves or, or be available. Um, and I'm assuming probably the website, best place to, to point people to once, once they're available to, to get a pair of shoes and, and try them out. Yeah, that's right. Uh, on our website, we're going to 
have them uh, for sale at some specialty retail uh, run stores and uh, some other locations. They'll, we'll, we're going to be at a bunch of events uh, having people try them on and sell them. But um, yeah, if you hop on, our, go to our website earlier rather than later, you can get a discount uh, if you get on our uh, uh, newsletter list. Um, before we launch. So, and I'm the one that sends out the newsletter. So it, it only comes out once a week. It's not spammy. It's got some, you know, good information. It's got some, um, uh, workouts from our book and some running news and, and just updates on our progress, which is, you know, of course, interesting. If, if, if you're interested in small startup businesses that are trying to be scrappy and come up with something new. Yeah. Yeah, we'll talk about something something new. And, and one last time, we're going to talk about the book real quick before we wrap up today. Um, but, uh, you know, when I think about track workouts for, for, you know, any distance runner can benefit from from hitting the track or doing type of speed work, whether you're running the, the shorter, faster stuff, whether you're doing the, the marathons and beyond, like like there's value in, in getting after it and pushing the pace a little bit. Um, but, you know, I mean, and maybe it's just because I'm a creature of habit, but it's like, you got to, you know, mile repeats, half mile repeats, maybe do some type of ladder workout where you're, you're mixing some different distances as you go. But like, I don't necessarily get super creative with my, with my workouts, both sometimes for myself and even for the, the athletes that I'm coaching. Um, but the book that you, that you and Scott wrote running in circles with all these different type of track workouts was, uh, I don't know how to say this quite right, but it was not exactly what I anticipated in, in that, there's so many different type of workouts, but also like, like maybe they're all kind of, you know, quote unquote, the same in terms of, you know, your laps on the track, different distances, et cetera. But some of the names, some of the descriptions that y'all put into, to, you know, like, like for the nerd in me, like there's a Fibonacci workout and there's, you know, like for the, the, the more language people, there's a Limerick workout. Like there's all these different types of, of workouts that, that y'all kind of created and, and came up with and, and put pen to paper and illustrations, the whole nine yard. How did, how did the book come together? Well, so Scott runs a weekly track workout and he, just like you're talking about, got sick of the same old you know, half mile repates, mile repates, you know, whatever it is. And, and uh, you know, we've both run enough uh, track workouts to know that they can get repetitive and boring and you just get into the same old rut. And so he, for the crew that he um, trains with, he decided to start coming up with a theme, a theme that would animate the workout each uh, week. And so, you know, if the theme is Fibonacci, then you're going to use the Fibonacci sequence to figure out what the distances are and how hard you run each each distance. And and so, yeah, we've got a bunch of uh, workouts in there. They've all got the got some historical or science sort of theme that, uh, uh, you know, a animates the, animates the workout and gives you something to think about. Sometimes it's, uh, it's funny. Sometimes you have to work, uh, do it with somebody else or a team because you're running different directions and you're slapping each other on the hand as you go by. And, you know, it's, it, it's supposed to be, I mean, running or any sport should there should be some joy to it and fun it's not just it shouldn't just be an end the end result you know you should you've got to enjoy the process and um have some have some joy in what you're doing and that's what we're trying to do here it's it's because it's so easy to and i've been there to just go to the track do the same old same old 
not not think about it and then go home and there's you, you know you if when you can inject joy into little moments ah that's that, yeah, that that's really where it is yeah and it you know it, it like i mean it's even if i may be so bold it's even a fun just i mean not that it's a hard read because it's like each each page is a different workout and it's a couple paragraphs but like it's actually fun to read as opposed to like if you're just reading a you know here's a bunch of track workouts and and like like the numbers would just all start to blur together but like like between the illustrations the 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 humor and and wit it's in the in the the short little bit of, of words um like it's just it's it's a fun book like it's a fun book and i'm i'm uh i appreciate you sending me a copy and and uh Looking forward to to hitting hitting the track once my I got a, a bum wheel at the moment once my once my foot finishes healing up and getting back out there and getting after it, um, you know, scratching my 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 nerd itch a little bit as well of like I said Fibonacci a Fibonacci workout as opposed to just doing repeats like sign me up right. like I, I am I am all on board for that. Well, uh, yeah, and I was just um I I just put up a on on Twitter today uh, uh, at the Vamazi Twitter account uh, workout of the week. And I put up the uh, word games interval from the book, and I was reading the beginning of it, and then and it talks about la- theories of how language developed. Then you know one of them is the poo poo, uh, and that's uh, and one of them is the yo he ho, and one of them is the bow wow, and the and one is for you know the grunts that we did. That's the yo he ho. That's the thing. It was the grunting and working. Um, utterances that developed into language. The the bow wow is the oh, there's something that's scary in our environment, and I need to e- express that to you know my my people. And then the uh, poo poo is the thing that's uh, surprise or or smells or whatever. And so uh, and and we use that to animate the uh, workout. And I was just reminded of it <laughs> reading it again this morning. It was kind of fun. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's every page. There's a, there's a laugh moment and then there's a, huh, like something that makes you, makes you think, or you learn a little bit of something, or you're reminded of something that maybe you learned back in, in, in the day. And now you're, you're reminded of a little bit. So, um, I know you can get the book on, on the website for those that are interested in, and maybe, you know, spicing up their, their, their speed workouts a little bit is available on Amazon and stuff as, as well. It is. Yep. Amazon or our website, either way. All right. So you can check it out at whatever, whatever place is, is best for you, but running in circles, uh, track workouts for faster running. And again, good for like, like I feel like a lot of the workouts, they're pretty hard, but they're also scalable. So like, if you're not at, at the point of doing multiple, you know, four five, six miles worth of, of intervals, you can scale them down a little bit, cut them in half, do a half a lap instead of a full lap or one lap instead of two based on the workouts, still have fun, but, but scale it to your level. Again, no one size fits all as far as I'm concerned. For sure. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're all about five miles uh, long and um, you, and then of course you, you, you scale them based on the intensity because everybody runs at a different pace. And so you can scale them that way. But I think but you're exactly right. You can trim them all back so that, you know, you do three miles or two miles of intervals, especially when you're starting out, you got to do that. Yeah. But um, make, it, make it a good challenge for you. Not something that's so far overreaching. <laughs> that it's, it's that's a right. recipe for disaster. So that's right. That's well, right. Well, good stuff, John. I, I appreciate you, you taking the time. I feel like we could, we could keep going. I feel like we barely had to scratch the surface of some stories and, and, and excited to see the shoes come out and, and glad to have a copy of the book. Um, but uh, 
before we before we get you out of here, I got to ask one one final question that I call the the philosophical question, which is kind of just a, a very open ended. Um, kind of like the introductory question. You can take it whichever way you want to go with it and, and, and then just wrap it up. And that's where we'll wrap it up from here for here for today. Um, but just curious, you know, at this point in, in your life, been running for, for many years at this point, um, why do you keep doing it? What, what is it that it, it, it excites you about getting out and getting your miles in on a consistent basis and still competing and still racing? Why, why is running still an important part of your life? Well, like I said earlier, that uh, just being fit is feels good. That that uh, on a on a day to day, minute to minute, you know, uh, basis, uh, it just feels good. But I got to tell you, I ran a, a marathon, a couple marathons last fall, and I was got so excited about uh, competing in those. Not um, not like I'm going to win anything, but, uh, it was j- just to see how I could push myself and, and, th- and there's, uh, for me, uh, interest in how, how I've done my training up to that point, how I can, uh, execute, uh, on the day of the race. And, um, it's, uh, that's interesting to me and, and interesting to think about not only the training, but the, you know, the fueling and how, what I'm going to wear and the, all the things that go into it. Um, uh, that's, that's been, um, th- that just gets me going. I, and, uh, but, uh, th- that doesn't mean it's easy on a day-to-day basis. <laughs> uh, on a day-to-day basis, sometimes there's, uh, and, uh, lots of days, oh God, I just do not feel like it today. Or you get out there and you, and your body's telling you, oh, I don't feel like it today, um, <laughs> but uh, it's um, but it's almost always you get done, no matter uh, whether you didn't want to do it beforehand or whether you didn't want to do it during. <laughs> uh, you finish and you feel good about it, and it's you know that it's going to help you be um, uh, healthier, fitter uh, the next day, and um, and th- and that's a great feeling. Yeah, I, I totally agree. As, as I'm sitting here nodding and kind of chuckling along and, and pretty sure that just about everybody else that's listening can can be there or has been there, you know, on the days where they, ah, I don't really feel like it or the body doesn't seem like, you know, you know, oh, I'll, I'm sure I'll loosen up as I go. And then uh, it doesn't. But then at the end, you're you're still glad you did it. Um, so, so thank you for there, for sharing that, John. And, and once again, y'all, uh, Vamazi.com is the website, V I M A Z I.com on Instagram. It's the same, same handle there at Vamazi, Twitter at run Vamazi or talk to Zilly. If you want to connect with John individually and, and again on LinkedIn, you can find him there as well. Uh, just search for his name, John Zilly. That's John with an H J O H N. I know sometimes it's, it, it can be a little bit confusing, but you'll find him. He's pretty, pretty straightforward, pretty easy to find. Uh, disruns.com slash 1066 disruns.com slash 1066 will get you back to the show notes for today we'll have everything linked up um, to the website the book the whole nine as per usual uh, John thanks for, for taking the time today I, I appreciate it we ran a little bit long and hopefully that doesn't screw up your schedule too much but I appreciate your willingness to, to keep it going and, and uh, share some good stories and, and love the work that, that you and Scott are doing and, and Wish you guys nothing but the best with the launch of the shoes and, and wish you specifically nothing but the best with just continuing to be healthy, continue to get after it, push yourself. And uh, again, thank you for the time and, and nothing but the best going forward, my friend. Well, thank you so much. It was, it was really fun. All right, y'all. Thanks for taking the time to listen to today's episode of the show. I hope you enjoyed the conversation between John and myself. And as per usual, be curious to know what stood out to you. What was, what was your takeaway du jour? Du jour. 
for me, there there were a few things, as is almost always the case, but the one that, that stood out to me was was the first one that I wrote down, and or at least the one that I'm going to go with is the first one that I wrote down, and that is when John was talking about his bike trip around the United States and how, um, I mean, there were so many things from just that story, and I'm sure there were so many details that we left out because we you know didn't try to talk about that for a whole hour and a half, which I'm sure we probably could have, but the idea that that John said that that trip kind of helped remind him, teach him, show him that if he can think of something, he can probably think of a way to do it. And, you know, I, I think that sometimes, and, and certainly for me with, with doing this, this show over the years, you know, there's been so many times I've talked to folks that, that the things that they've done, the, the races they've run, the ultras, the places they've traveled to, whatever the case might be, it's like, oh my gosh, I could never do that. But then the more you think about it, you're like, yeah, you know, maybe I could. And, and, you know, Maybe I don't want to, you know, like some of those hundred mile and, and up runners that we've had on the show, but I at least think about those things and go, you know what? I don't really want to do some of those challenges, but I, I probably could. And before I started the show, I don't know that I would have thought that those things were possible. And so John talking about, you know, riding the bike around, around the United States and, and just how, you know, thinking about it, figuring it out, getting it done. It was just it was just that good reminder to me that you know what if there's if there's something out there that you want to do it's it's probably doable. Now, obviously there's some certain limitations there. You may not ever run an hour and 30 minute marathon. Nobody may ever run an hour and 30 marathon. Who knows? Um but but you know, you may never qualify for them. There's all kinds of things that you may never do. But in terms of just tackling a challenge, getting something done that that just sounds impossible, um more often than not, there's a way to get there. There's a way to get there, and and sometimes it's a it's a different route than what you might think. It it maybe doesn't you know maybe maybe um, it requires some outside of the box thinking or just you know some some progress months and years down the road to be prepared for a challenge like that. But but shoot, even with with John's trip around the United States, and I was like, man, he must have been doing a bunch of bike riding before that. And he's like, nah, not really, like a little bit, but kind of you know continued to train as I went throughout that, that journey, you know, throughout that nine month journey. And it's like, yeah, I mean, that kind of makes sense too, you know, and, and, and maybe kind of take away two for today. If you wait until the right time, you know, wait till everything lines up, everything may never line up. So sometimes you just kind of got to jump into it, figure it out as you go. But it all starts with like thinking about, Hey, this is this big challenge, whether it's a, a race distance, travel destination, something outside of running, whatever, you think about it, stew on it for a little while, come up with a plan, iterate on the plan as you go, you know, crash in a, in a, in a dorm room for a couple of days because of the snow that, that comes through. I mean, you know, you, you, you figure it out. And I think that's, that's, you know, the, the long winded way as per usual to get to the short takeaway is that if you got a big, big goal, something, something that uh, sounds maybe impossible, if you get started, figure it out as you go might just be doable. Might just be doable. So that's my takeaway. That's, that's, that's what really stood out to me from today's episode. And, and maybe even in different layer than I thought, as I kind of talked myself through it, which not maybe not surprisingly to you, certainly not surprisingly to me, um, tends to happen with these takeaways. Sometimes it's, it seems like it's one thing. And as I go and I think through it, as I'm talking, we get somewhere else. And that's, that's kind of cool. I think, 
Maybe, maybe not. Maybe you disagree with me, which is your prerogative. That's fine. Uh, but one way or the other, if you, if you'd like to share a takeaway with me and maybe, maybe work yourself through your takeaway as you go, I would love to be that listening ear, whether it's online, you can find me on the social medias at Diz Runs on Instagram and Twitter. You can also invade my inbox, which hopefully I'll see because my inbox is a hot freaking mess. But every once in a while, I, I do see all, I mean, I see all the messages every once in a while. Um, Things don't slip through the cracks. More often than not, they don't. What am I trying to say? Shoot me an email with your takeaway if you're so inclined. Dizruns at gmail.com. And of course, you can always head over to the show notes for today and leave your thoughts and feedbacks from this episode down in that comment section at the bottom, which you can get to at Dizruns.com slash 1066. Dizruns.com slash 1066 for today. Uh, What stood out to you from this episode? And if you need to work through it as you go, hey, work through it as you go. I look forward to, to seeing that process for you play out in text or you know if you send me a can you send voice messages on uh twitter and instagram i don't know if you can shoot me one whatever you know whatever works for you works for me if you want to send a carrier pigeon that works too but uh that was my takeaway from today and uh that's about where we'll wrap this one up one last call for the coaching that i have available if you want to if you want to investigate a little bit see if it might be the right thing for you at the right time and if it's not no worries but if it is check out disruns.com slash coaching. There should be a link down there in the uh, episode description from today on whatever device you're listening to this. And if you're listening to this on the website, of course, just click the button on the top that says coaching. It'll take you right there. Disruns.com slash coaching. Check it out. If it sounds good, reach out and we can talk about next steps from there, whatever the right steps are for you. As always, no pressure from me. So with that, we'll go ahead and wrap this one up. If you enjoyed this episode, hit that share button, spread the word. Always appreciate when you do that. And until next time, y'all be well. Take good care. Thanks again for listening. And uh, we'll talk soon, right? Later, y'all.